0: Good morning, you're listening to Two 2XXFM 98.3. Welcome to Subject ACT for 30 minutes of local current affairs that explores our local context in the broader picture of national and international issues. It's Monday the 6th of June. Winter has arrived. I'm Becca Postorino. Today I explore minorities in politics, specifically women in Australian politics, and the prospect of a new political party contesting the key parties within the ACT Legislative Assembly in this year's upcoming ACT election. I spoke with Professor Marion Saw of the Australian National University's School of Politics and International Relations to explore the evolution of women in Australian politics and where women are placed in the contemporary political landscape. I also met with Bruce Payne, President of emerging ACT political organisation Vote Canberra, to discuss the ACT Legislative Assembly. Vote Canberra aims to contest this year's ACT Legislative Assembly election and increase participation of ordinary voters. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, Australian National University's Professor Marion Saw to discuss the role of women in Australian politics. You're listening to ninety 98.3. I'm Becca Postorino. The program is Subject ACT. Today we're speaking to Professor Marion Saw of the Australian National University. She's a professor at the School of Politics and International Relations. Welcome to the program, Marion. Thank you very much. Marion, how does gender get in the way of the political process in Australian politics?
1: Well, traditionally, Australian political culture has not been very women-friendly. We were pioneers of of women's political rights and and women gained the the right to to vote and to stand for the National Parliament right back in 1902. So we're the first country in the world where women had those rights. Um, But since then, it's not been perhaps such an inspiring story. We then became the country which had the longest gap between women having the right to stand for the national parliament and women actually being elected to it. Mm. So it wasn't until 1943 that women actually entered our federal parliament.
0: Why do you think that is? Why do you think women are... What do you think are the obstacles for women having a career in politics and being elected into a political position?
1: Well, historically, there have been inbuilt headwinds in the political parties. The political culture in our major parties has not mm-hmm. been very accepting of women in the past. The Labour Party was created to, to promote the interests of male trade unionists mm-hmm. and women were sometimes seen as a competitor to, to men in the workforce. So they weren't necessarily seen as the right representatives for the male working class. So that was part of the historic background Mm. to women having a difficulty in coming forward as representatives of the Labour Party. On the other side, the non-Labour parties had a more traditional kind of social outlook and thought that women's primary responsibilities were home and family and that uh, this meant that they... uh, certainly couldn't enter into a political career while they had young children
0: do you think women assert their political voice effectively in australia i know the opportunities have been thwarted somewhat just in what you've explained mm. with the labor party and the trade unionist movement but do you do you think women assert their political voice in australian well, politics
1: in nineteen? 19- Seventy-two women were amazingly effective in getting their demands onto the political agenda in the federal election of that year and Whitlam government was elected with commitments to do all kinds of things to reopen an equal pay case and to remove the luxury tax off oral and do things like that which mm. were in the immediate interests of women. So women have been able to assert a voice effectively. Women's electoral lobby had, had really mobilised across the country to interview candidates and make them focus on issues they'd never focused on before in their political careers, like childcare and so on. Mm -hmm. So it has happened that that women have got their agendas up in an electoral context, and more recently, of course, women campaigned for a long time in the Labour Party to get electoral quotas established, which were uh, adopted in in 1994 and and then reinforced in 2002. So that has made a terrific difference to the face of politics in Australia. Women across the country country are now 43% of uh, parliamentary Labor parties, so that's a huge difference. Mm. Uh, It's come about because of the adoption of quotas within the party. I mean, I can remember when there were no women at all in the House of Representatives. Mm. In 1973, there was a bill being debated which would have made abortion available legally in in the Australian Capital Territory. There were no women in, in the House of Representatives to participate in the debate on that. Bill. So actually women established a women's embassy outside the Parliament. Uh, So you know things have changed quite a lot over the last 40 years.
0: Absolutely such a short amount of time that's my lifespan for issues that directly impact women For them not to have, as you say, participation in the outcomes of those issues, it seems unfathomable to us as women today.
1: Indeed. So, I mean, the presence of women in our parliaments has increased very substantially, not necessarily so much on the non-Labour side of politics. Women are only twenty three percent of Liberal parliamentary parties around Australia. Now so significantly less than their presence in, in Labour parliamentary parties.
0: Why do you think that is, Marion, if I can mm. burrow down a little bit deeper? Why is that why is there that disparity between the parties with female representation?
1: Well, it's interesting. There's been a lot of resistance within the Liberal Party to the adoption of party quotas, that is electoral quotas. The Liberal Party has had organisational quotas since it was established. So right from the Second World War onwards, there's, for example, in the Victorian Liberal Party, women are equally represented at all levels of the party, right up to and including the vice-presidency. There are two female vice-presidents and two male vice-presidents and so on. Mm. But for some reason, although that has been you know, very well accepted for a very long time, many people in the Liberal Party feel it would be patronising for there to Mm. be electoral quotas for women. The Liberal Party did make some strenuous efforts in the mid-90s to increase the number of women candidates and that resulted in, in a big upsurge in Liberal women in the Federal Parliament after the 1996 election. But things then went backwards after that. I mean, it has been very frustrating for a number of women in the Liberal Party mm. who have called you know, on repeated occasions for the Liberal Party to look seriously at, at measures Mm. such as, as targets with definite monitoring measures and mm. so on to keep the eye on the ball mm. in terms of, of women candidates. So I mean, Senator Judith Troth made this kind of call and put out a research paper on, on quotas for, for women in the Liberal Party and Sharman and Stone has called for this more recently.
0: Do you think that within the Liberal Party there is an invisible wall for women to actually overcome? What are the obstructions for them to actually engage? Is it women's desire to participate or is it within the system there's those invisible and unspoken things that just inherently thwart women from participating? Is there something that you can put your finger on at an academic level?
1: I think there's been continuing issues with the the culture of the Party to do with social conservatism and so on, and until very recently, women candidates for pre-selection were still being asked what they'd do with their children and things like this. So, I mean, there were those kind of headwinds in the in in, mm. in the party, despite the fact that there were strong. Women in the party organisation.
0: Do you think there's, in your view, from your research, do you think that there is an inherent political cultural shift that we need to take in Australia in order to embrace or invite women into the political? domain?
1: Well I think there's a lot we could do to make parliaments more women friendly. Yeah. Uh, in part that makes means making parliaments more family friendly. Mm-hmm. We had to wait till 2009 to get a childcare centre in the, <laughs> in the, the Commonwealth Parliament um, despite yeah. the thousands of people who work in that building. Mm. Um, so the thing is that we should be making the structures of our public life accommodating mm. of the requirements of carers and so on. Mm. Uh, and that would make such institutions more more women-friendly as well as more friendly towards parents. And we have a Westminster political culture here mm. which uh, is not generally regarded as, as being very compatible with how most women want to relate to others, mm. like having two opposing football teams mm engaging in psychological warfare (laughs) on the floor of the chamber and this kind of performance is, is not of course you know what a lot of men want to do sure. either but, sure. but it is part of the, mm. the the performance expected of our parliamentarians.
0: Burrowing down into that sort of theatrics of conflict on the parliament floor is this something that evolved out of the system or was this something inbuilt into it when the history of Westminster because it is that adversarial and that, that sort of you know rigorous debate it has digressed Somewhat over the years, I've seen this sort of digression into this personal attacks from one politician to the next. Do you think that was the intention of the Westminster system when it designed this political system?
1: Well, the Westminster parliamentary tradition has been evolving, but it, it does rest on the assumption that you have a government on one side and an opposition on the other side, which has to hold government to account. Mm. And the way that's done has been in this extremely confrontational way and, and, you can see it in in London if you go to the mm-hmm. um, go to Westminster. There, what what's happening on the floor of the chamber, and, and mm. we can see it in other Westminster parliaments. I mean, just mm. the configuration of the chamber itself, you know, encourages this, where with with the two sides facing each other rather than sitting around a horseshoe or, or yes. whatever, or sitting by region rather than by party. I mean, that's yes. another alternative. Mm. Yes.
0: Do we need more women? In politics, in your view, in Australian politics in particular,
1: well, women need to have equal opportunity to to serve as a representative, and uh, I think that's important. There shouldn't be these kind of built-in institutional barriers within political parties to fielding women candidates in winnable seats. So, there's an equal opportunity or justice argument for you know having a greater number of women. Most people also feel that when you have more gender balance in public bodies like parliaments, that this has a beneficial effect on on the status of women throughout the, the whole of the society.
0: With reference to the changes in the Senate that have evolved recently, can you sort of explain how that will impact or if it will impact particularly in the Senate how that will impact the independent voice of men or women within the Senate? How are those changes going to impact those independent voices coming forward?
1: Well, I'm not sure what exactly the outcome will be of of the abolition of the group voting ticket. Certainly First preferences will be more important. We won't have micro parties being able to enter into cartels with tightly exchanged preferences on their group, registered group voting tickets. Mm. So, micro parties are not necessarily a very good vehicle for women entering parliament mm. because micro parties often only elect one person, mm. the leader, and predominantly that's a man.
0: So these changes to the Senate, what should listeners be aware of when they are voting? The thing is
1: that now you can easily vote a ticket of your choice. You don't have to go through the very laborious procedure of uh, numbering consecutively hundreds of names if you want to make your own choice between candidates. You can just number 1 to 12 below the line. or if you just want to rely on the party's ranking of, of their candidates you just vote one to six parties above the line so one to 12 candidates below or one to six parties so it, it puts you know much more power really back in the hands of the voters.
0: Professor Marion Saw thank you so much for your insights and your time this this morning uh, I appreciate your input into the discussion so thank you. Thank
1: you.
2: any place we're living in times where men commit crimes and crime don't have a face we live in a political world i hanging down wedding bells ring and angels singing clouds cover up the ground In a cell, in the sky that is hell, even no one to pick up the trail. We live in a political world, where mercy walks to play. Life is in mirrors, death disappears, and the steps are new, the nib The next day could be your last. We live in a political world. The one we can see and feel. But there's no one to check. It's all a stack deck. We all know for sure that it's real. <laughs> we live in a political world. The cities of alone lonesome fear. Little by little. You never show why you're here. We live in a political world. Under the microscope, you can travel anywhere. way out I-
0: listening to Two 2XXFM 98.3. The program is subject ACT for local current affairs with a community focus. I'm Becca Postorino. That was Bob Dylan's 1989 classic, Political World. And before that, Professor Marion Saw of the School of Politics and International Relations at the Australian National University, exploring the role of women in Australian politics. Coming up next, emerging ACT political organisation Vote Canberra President, Bruce Payne. Thanks for your company today on subject ACT two XFM ninety eight point three. I'm Becca Postorino. This morning we're talking to Bruce Payne. He's the president of Vote Canberra. It's an interesting organisation formed to contest the next ACT election. Welcome to the program.
3: Thanks, Becca. It's good to be here.
0: Can you please explain what your organisation is about and why you're wanting to contest the next ACT election?
3: Vote Canberra was formed late in 2015 and its sole objective is to contest the next ACT legislative assembly that's scheduled for October this year, so 2016. And essentially, the you know, the key motivation for forming Vote Canberra was to increase the participation by ordinary voters into in the broader democratic process in the ACT.
0: Why do we need to increase that participation in your view?
3: Oh, well, currently what happens in the ACT, but also in, you know, most other elections, but let's just, in Australia, but let's just focus on the ACT, is that virtually all of the candidates who, who will stand in the ACT Legislative Assembly come from one of the three major political parties, so that's uh, Labor, Liberal and the Greens, and so nearly all of the candidates are selected by the party insiders from those existing political parties. The only role for the general voter is to pick between those candidates. For a person in the street who wants to have a say in, in who stands as a candidate, they get virtually no say, and all voters do is pick between Liberal, Labor or Green candidates with a couple of others thrown in, you know, right at the end.
0: As you explained off-air, pre-selection is a quintessential change that you're looking to put forward and contest the current pre-selection process. That's what you're offering for members of your political party and you need 100 people to be part of this political party. Is that, is that correct?
3: That's correct. Currently, Vote Canberra, it's been formed as an incorporated association, so it's you know got a legal entity, much the same as any or a local club. And the key offering that we're making to people is that if Any voter in the ACT joins Vote Canberra, they get to have an equal vote in picking our candidates for the ACT Legislative Assembly.
0: In terms of pre-selection, we talked a little bit about this traditional path for candidates to be elevated into that position is to be pre-selected, which isn't a process that is generally open to the public. Is that your key issue with the current system of, of voting in the ACT?
3: Yeah, that's right. That's that's the sort of starting point that no one, or it's very difficult for the average person or for the ordinary voter to go and uh, join a traditional political party. You know, spend their time there, possibly get put their hat in the ring for pre-selection, and then to uh, actually win pre-selection, it's almost mission impossible. Yeah. That's why we basically see very low membership of political parties in the ACT say and around Australia, but also basically the party insiders and the party machines pick all the candidates and then more generally cast quite a big pall over our uh, democracy.
0: This is a question of democracy as a larger question, isn't it?
3: That's exactly right, Becca, because essentially you know, when people think about it, what they find is that there's a very small pool of people who stand for pre-selection. Even fewer of them actually become nominated as as a candidate and then the rest of the voters essentially are faced with a fait accompli. They have to pick between that small pool. And furthermore, even when, they're, when people are elected to the Assembly, often the party machines exert a lot of control over what happens. So politics in the ACT Legislative Assembly tends to be largely party politics, you know, driven by the party machines and perhaps people could argue serving their interests, rather than being focused on serving the community.
0: Do you think the political process is worth participating in from your point of view?
3: Oh, absolutely. There's, you know, basic politics and the Assembly play an absolutely key role in uh, setting priorities for the community, right? There are choices that need to be made, so in no way are we advocating the abolition of government or a smaller role for the public sector. What we're assen- what we're advocating is essentially that uh, there be much more participation by ordinary voters in the political process.
0: So so you're encouraging participation by offering a more transparent approach to political party. I understand that membership is free in your political party. This is an important issue or an important point to make. Why have you made this Free.
3: Yeah, look, the uh, that's correct, Becca. There's no financial cost in joining uh, Vote Canberra. You can go to our website, which is votecanberra.org.au. You simply fill out a form there. We need to collect that information so that we can apply for registration as a political party. There's no cost and the essential reason why we did that was to try to grow the party as quickly as possible because what we want is as many people as possible to be choosing our candidates and hopefully at least some of them will consider standing uh, as a candidate themselves. So we, we're really on about increasing the say or the influence of ordinary voters over the political process and to get some of them into the Assembly, hopefully.
0: I understand you're seeking equal representation of genders. Why have you chosen this?
3: We are, that's correct. So Vote Canberra's intention is to stand two people in each of the five electorates that uh, will be contested for the ACT uh, Legislative Assembly election. And those two will be one male and one female, and we will have a separate pre-selection ballot for each for men and for women in each of the five electorates.
0: And what will the pre-selection process be within Vote Canberra?
3: It will be completely open. It'll be uh, it will be a secret ballot, so there won't be any of this anything that uh, happens in some other parties where people have to declare how they voted. So we'll have a a secret ballot. It will be open to all members. Of Vote Canberra, who all people who are a member when we start our pre-selection process, that's just an administrative technicality, and we'll be conducting that in a, in a completely transparent and open manner. An important point is that the uh, committee of Vote Canberra, they are not allowed to uh, stand for pre-selection, they can't nominate anyone, we're simply here to uh, run the process.
0: You're administrators separate from the candidates or the potential candidates yourself and you've kept that distance to Uphold the democratic process
3: That's correct We're simply administrators Another way of thinking about it Is that we're administering the platform And that the candidates uh, Anyone who wants to put their hand up for pre-selection Will be treated absolutely equally as any other person
0: So what kind of candidates Or who are you looking Mm. for?
3: Ah well we're very consistent with our ethos Of trying to attract a wide range of people We're open to uh, any candidate to come along So if people are thinking of uh, putting their hat in the ring or perhaps standing as an independent or if they have a particular issue that they uh, think is important, they should get in contact with us. There will be some requirements along the line, but none of them are onerous and they're all designed to increase the transparency. So, in particular, all candidates for pre selection will be required to make a brief written statement. So, to produce that, that will be made public both to Vote Canberra members and to all voters in Canberra. So, you know, there are some things there so that people know what the candidates stand for, but there's no inside dealing, you know, there's no sort of factional representation, there are no third parties who have influence over Vote Canberra. That's one thing I should vote canberra and it's well the committee of vote canberra and the organization is completely independent of any existing political party and any other organization in the act so we have no links whatsoever
0: the rules that we mentioned off air before you've you've lodged them, or you did mention it briefly at the beginning of our introduction, what are these rules to give an insight into the organisation?
3: Mm. They are worth mentioning in the sense that Vote Canberra its legal status is that of an incorporated association, so many associations and clubs around the ACT share that base, so most of the rules are about formalities, about how the committees elected, da 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 by the way, the committee is faces election at every, every year, so the members will decide the committee once the first AGM is held. Probably the most relevant part of the rules for people thinking of standing is how we're going to pre-select candidates but it's essentially, as I understood, there'll be a ballot open to all members of uh, Vote Canberra, a secret ballot much like, you know, an election that's held anywhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. What are you hoping to achieve by being a presence in the political landscape of ACT?
3: That's a really good question Becca. Essentially what we're offering is some diversity so that uh, what's happened in recent election Elections for the ACT Legislative Assembly is that the number of independents has generally declined and the dominance of the three major political parties has become almost exclusive. So if you have a look at the current Legislative Assembly, there's eight Labor, there's eight Liberal and there's one Green being uh, Shane Rattenbury. If you compare that back a few Legislative Assemblies where there were several independents. So the whole politic, not only is the Assembly dominated by the three major political parties but the whole political sort of discussion and is Digibles. dominated by them
0: it's an alternative to the status quo.
3: It's not only alternative. We Contesting. think that it's yeah. We think that it's a better alternative to the status quo, essentially because it gives people, the ordinary voter, a real voice early in the process, mm. and it also sets up a an organisation that is controlled by ordinary voters, not by some party insiders or strong third party groups.
0: Well, thank you so much for explaining what Vote Canberra is about, Bruce Payne, and I look forward to perhaps seeing you organisation, make it into the ACT Legislative Assembly in some way.
3: Okay, thank you for uh, having me on.
0: Thanks for your time. You're listening to Local Current Affairs Programme, Subject ACT, on Canberra's iconic and independent community radio station, Two ninety eight 98.3. That was Bruce Payne, President of Emerging ACT Political Organisation, Vote Canberra, who hopes to contest the ACT Legislative Assembly at this year's upcoming election. Next week, we deconstruct Katie Gallagher's interaction with Senator Mitch Fifield earlier this year and meet Green Senate candidate Christina Hobbs. On Tuesday's edition of Subject ACT, Doug Dobing revisits his interview with Lifeline's Canberra CEO, Pauline Thornlow, on Lifeline's crisis support and suicide prevention service. Thanks for your company today on Subject ACT. Join us each weekday from 8.30 till 9am for Community Current Affairs. All us live on on www2 backslash listen. Coming up next, topical storytelling all the best from Community Radio Network. I'm Becca Postorino. Enjoy your day.